this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Today we begin a new series. I know that the Lord told a bunch of stories and we find truth and sometimes I think it's good as a body to be in a series because God is speaking a word to this place. Sometimes it's easier to organize and make into series, but I want you to hear my heart. This isn't a series that I created. This isn't a series that it's just the heart of the Father. And I believe that we've touched the heart of the Father this morning. You've encountered Him. You've been in His presence. You've been healed. Some of you have been physically healed, mentally healed. Maybe you felt God's love for the first time. This series is about what He calls us to do. There's many things in Scripture that the Lord would say, this is something that I need you to do upon the earth. We know that we are called to bring heaven to earth, that we aren't just born again to be a part of this earth for a little while, to be sucked out of here, to go to heaven. That's not our purpose. Although religion would say that oftentimes, that we're here for this thing called the rapture, that we get sucked out of here and we go live in heaven, but I'm, I'm telling you that that may happen, but that's not our, our call. Our call is to bring heaven to earth there is so much more that God has for believers on this earth than just getting sucked out of here and spending eternity in heaven. There is so much more that he's called us to do to be in relationship. To be in relationship together. Now the church, we've messed this up. We've messed it up. We've made it about a guy standing in front. We've made it about somebody on the platform. We've made it about this thing that we do on Sundays to come in and get a word from God so that we can go throughout our week and defeat the enemy. That's not what we're called to do. I know Constantine made this whole thing about the man up front just because it was a governmental thing. And there was a king one time that wanted to marry who he wanted, so he created a whole religious experience about that. And uh, we're still living in the effects of that. But that's not what's in the book that I read. That's not what's in this. I read about some guys who hung out with Jesus and who knew so much about him that they were changed and transformed because they were spending time with him. I read about these men who, after he left, were heartbroken that the kingdom hadn't come the way that they thought it would come and that they, they went back to doing their deal, but then Jesus had said, I'm going to send you someone that's going to help you. It's going to give you power that's going to transform your life that's going to that's going to take everything that we've talked about everything that we've seen happen and it's going to just exponentially multiply that in your life and he said now go be together as one go be together as one and i will send you the comforter now as pentecostals we love acts 2 as pentecostals we're like man we can't go back acts 2 is it but I, I think that it is, I, I agree with it, I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the only way we're, we're actually engaging in the full deal, personally. But 
I think that if we really want to tap into what the Lord has called us to do, we have to really go directly to his heart. We have to go directly to what he says he wants for us. And so this series is called Unity. This series is called Unity because I believe we're stepping into a season on the earth in which the church is going to be brought together in a different way. This isn't about having a Holy Spirit worship night on a Thursday night where we get 10 churches here and we all lay on the ground and experience the Lord and great, we all go back to our churches and we're fueled up and that's great. I don't believe that's what's gonna happen. I think it may happen, but I don't think that's the purpose of the next season. I believe that there is going to be pressure upon the church. I believe there is pressure all over the world, but I believe it's coming home. There's gonna be pressure upon the church to denounce what we see in Acts. To say those things that you read in John 16 that says that you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, that doesn't count for a a worldwide pandemic. You can't do that. I don't care if you're the church or not. You can't go in the hospital and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. There's pressure that we don't even understand at this point coming upon the church. And there's only one solution that I believe that we read through all the Gospels. We can read the New Testament. And if we really tap into the heart of God, we'll see transformation because of this one thing. Unity. I was with some pastors yesterday. It was this group of four of us that were just talking to the Lord and talking to each other. And um, I believe there's lots of stuff you can get out of Sunday morning. But if this is all you got, I'm sorry. I'm an imperfect communicator, you're an imperfect hearer. There's a lot of work for the Holy Spirit to do here this morning. But what I am telling you is if you're looking forward to this to be your fuel, it ain't it. It ain't it. And I'm not saying that I don't want to do Sunday mornings anymore. That's not what I'm saying, so hear me. But what I am saying is is if this is the best you got in your life, you're missing unity of the family. We were talking, different denominations, different viewpoints, different backgrounds, same Jesus. Different colors, different ethnic backgrounds, different ways that the enemy has tried to slow us down, one Jesus. Different churches, different congregations, different anointings in the season, different uh, ways we do worship, different ways that we look at the world, different everything, same Jesus. Same Jesus. And I, I wonder how often we sit and talk with those who are kindred with us. How often do we get off the grid and just talk? No phones. No, no distractions. We just sit in a room and talk about Jesus. I know that the disciples sat in the room and talked about Jesus. We see stories of it. And the the scriptures tell us that more things have been done than any book on the earth can contain. Like nothing can contain all that was done. and, and, And it can't be written just in this book. And so if we see that there's one conversation or 50 in the scripture, I'm sure that there were thousands of conversations between the disciples. Can you believe what what just happened? Can you believe that we thought that these these people should go find their own dinner? And Jesus said, what do you have? Go feed them. And 
Remember, remember we looked at each other and said, what do we have? We got nothing. Just this little boy with some food. And look what Jesus did. Look what he did. And we know that that's the Father's heart because we know that it says in Scripture that Jesus never did anything that he didn't see the Father do. And he only said things that he heard the Father say. So we know that that was the heart of the Father. But we know that they were a little slow on the uptake. And so they probably had to have conversations with each other to stir up the spirit to say, listen, guys, we missed it this time. But in the end, we had more than enough. And I know that if we continue to focus on him, we will. But I see a world that is distracted. I was having dinner or lunch with the pastor this week, not the ones yesterday, but I was meeting and he knew, he knew nothing about this, but we were sitting at a table and behind him, to, to the left behind him, was a distraction for me. And I kept praying in the spirit. I was like, Lord, keep me focused here. I know I need to be focused here, but this is what happened. And maybe you'll find that this happens in your life. I saw three people walk in a mom and two kids. They walked into the restaurant. They didn't talk to the waitress or whoever was seating them. They didn't talk to them. They just sat down. They got their, their menus. They didn't talk to each other. The whole time, there was not a word spoken. Not a thank you, not a, oh, awesome, what are the specials today? Nothing. Just sat there. The waitress comes up and says, can I get you anything to drink? And they all looked up and said, water. They all put their heads back down. So then the waitress came back, no greeting, nothing, came back and said, can I take your order, please? And they pointed at the menus of what they wanted, didn't say anything. And the waitress, I could tell, was a little like, what's happening here? Like, what is this? And as soon as the waitress took the menus away, they all reached in their pockets, they pulled out their phones, and they began to look at their phone. Now, I was in a conversation, so I can't guarantee that not a word was spoken, but they were there for almost an hour, and I don't remember hearing any word spoken to the waitress, to, the, to anybody at the table. And we were close enough that I could hear them whisper. I mean, we were that close. And they looked at their phones for an hour. They ate food while looking at their phones. They pushed the plates away while looking at their phones. They got the bill while looking at their phones. And they walked out, all three of them, looking at their phone. Now we laugh about that, but you've been one of them. Maybe it wasn't a phone. Maybe it was the guy that cut you off getting to the restaurant. Maybe it was the things you have to do in the afternoon. We've all been distracted. And I believe that the church has been so distracted that we've been distracted for the one thing that Jesus prays in John 17 that they would be one as you and I are one. We walk around passing pastors, passing leaders, passing other believers, and the cry of Jesus' heart to the people was that they would be one as him and the Father are one. And yet we walk around completely segregated from the people he called us to be one with. And we wonder, we pray, we intercede, we ask the Lord, send revival. And he goes back to John 17 and says, be one. 
No, send revival, God. You don't understand. Send revival. We've got, we've got 15 Pentecostal pastors together. We're going to do this revival thing. And he says, great, be one. Be in unity. Be of one voice. I have to even think that the Lord is looking at some of the things that we plan like, great, go ahead. It's good. But it's not what I've asked you to do. I've asked you to be one. How can we go, and we're gonna talk about all the great things God's, God's got coming and it's all great in revival, but the Lord is impressed upon me that it will be successful because he never starts anything in an idea that he hasn't already finished and it's good. But how much better could it be if we were just living out what he asked, that we would be one, that we would be one. Now, you'll have to forgive me for the acronym of unity, but I couldn't find an N. But I knew the word that was supposed to go in there, but. <laughs> so sometimes you and I both have an attitude, right? An attitude? We need an attitude adjustment. But the U stands for understanding. Clarity about the true meaning of what we're called to do is understanding. I don't think that the church, when we get together and when we pray sometimes as leaders, I don't think that we understand what we're really doing. I don't think we understand the impact of 15 pastors getting together. We've got a group coming at 1.30 today. We've got a group on Tuesday of 20-some pastors coming in this place. And I don't think sometimes we know exactly what we're up to. We don't understand what the Spirit wants to do because we're not one. We're not one. And he says, "Let may they be one. Now, sometimes I need an attitude adjustment, and maybe you do too, but attitude is how true unity shows itself through your attitude. It is revealed. Unity is revealed in how you speak about those around you. True unity is revealed in how you embrace someone and, and your attitude toward them. Intentionality. Alignment around a common ministry. Team. I heard this one a long time ago. Team, together, everyone accomplishes more. Yeah, it's true. One will send 1,000, 10,000, two 10,000. And the last one is yieldedness. It can't be about you. It can't be about me. For decades and decades and decades, pastors have tried to get together in this community. They've tried to be in unity, be in one, and it hasn't worked. And I believe it's because we haven't been yielded to what God has for this region. You see, there's people that were here in April that we knew nothing about that were on this land here in April that were praying, that were interceding for revival, that were bringing heaven to earth over this county, praying for us to be in unity, to be as one, to be here, to be able to see what God has for this region. And so the core scripture for this series is 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 10. And it says this, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. 
so that you come short in no gift. Each of you, inside of you, is everything. We, we, we often say that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the, sed, from the dead resides in us. And yet we read John 16, sorry, Mark 16, 17, 18. We read Mark 16, 17, 18, and it says, this is what you'll do. And we declare and we decree in our closet that we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, yet we don't see that in our life. We don't see it. And God is saying, listen, I have called you to something that you can't do alone. It says, so that you won't come short in any gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the core verse now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment or thought. If you came for a feel-good sermon, it ain't coming. What does this verse mean, verse 10? Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Does that mean that we're robots and we go around speaking the same thing? No, but actually in the Greek, lego is the word that is used there to affirm, to teach, to confirm the same thing over and over and over, that we would be in unity as a family of believers. I often think about what if the apostles came back that were martyred and they were here in this region crying out for revival and for a word. And they called the church together. And they said, we want to see the church of Dover. Who would show up? And we, want it, we want the church of New Philly to come and hear this word that we've got for you. Who would show up? We want the church of Tuscarawas County to come forth. Who would show up? You see, the way that I see it is right now there would be sections of lawn chairs at the courthouse. There would be the Baptist, there'd be the Catholics, there'd be the Evangelicals, the, the Nazarenes. The, there would all be separate sects of people in that area and they would all be in their oneness together. But that's not what I read that's not what I read. It says that all believers would be one, would be in unity together, that they would be speaking the same thing, that there would be no divisions among you. Right now, if you think of one friend that isn't in this place this morning, you can think of divisions among you, what you believe, how you believe. There's divisions among the church as a whole, globally. And I know that in, in the word it says that Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're even close. And then it says perfectly joined together. And for those of you that have been around a few years, you know that that word is katartizu. 
To be perfectly joined together means a broken bone that is then set into place, never to be able to be known it was broken. To set in place. Perfectly mended together. Now, the only way that I know about being perfectly mended together is to use the illustration of marriage, and you all know what that means and what that should look like and and what Jesus is talking about in the marriage covenant. But what I want to talk to you about today is, is I think that the fractures of our unity as a body of believers go way deeper than do you pray in tongues or do you not pray in tongues? Did the gifts stop with the apostles or are they active today? I think it goes way deeper than that. I think it goes to the way that you dress. I think it goes all the way down to where you eat. I think it goes all the way down to you offended me 30 years ago in that, in that denomination and I'm never going back and I, I don't want anything to do with it. And I think it goes way down to personal things that you've been in the region for 35 years and you as a smart shot pastor came into the region a year ago and you shouldn't have the authority that you have in the region because I've been here for 30 years. I think it goes all the way down to that. Now I may be wrong, but I believe that that's part of it. And what the Lord wants to do as you've heard this morning when he spoke directly to you. Thank goodness the Holy Spirit will speak directly to us. God wants to call us by name. He wants to talk to us. What I believe he's doing in this hour, what I believe he's doing this hour is he wants to join the church together like it's never joined together before. Not for a Sunday, not for a worship service. He wants to join us together in one heart, in one mind, to speak one thing, to see that one thing come to fruition and then give us another thing to go after. We're about to see the greatest awakening the world has ever seen. But the only way that we have access to it is in unity. That's it. There's no other way. There's no way that you can harbor something for for a brother or a sister and see unity in the church and see revival. It's not going to come in your door. It's not coming. And so my prayer has been that as we as believers come together, that we humble ourselves, that this is an atmosphere, a portal for heaven to come and visit. So that when people come in here, they see transformation. They see that we're a body of believers that come together to worship together. And so that means that I may not be up here. Somebody else may be up here, but I may be at Ezra's church. Pastor Ezra's here. I may be at Pastor Ezra's church. I thank him for coming today. I thank him for for taking time away from his family to come here and just be with us. This is what I'm talking about, people. If If it's all about what we're doing, it's not about anything that God is doing. And I know this is strong, but this is where we have to go. So what does... What does this unity look like? You may say, well, all of that sounds good, but the apostles said that they sold everything, they put it all in a pot, and we all lived happily ever after. I'm not selling anything. Probably should have stood at the beginning of service. If you turn with me to Acts 2, not the part that we all love. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. 
Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from the house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their church daily those who were being saved. You see, it's not about, it's not about coming here and, and hearing the gospel and bringing a friend and them getting saved. That's amazing, that's good, but they will know you by your fruit. You see, the church for so long, I believe, even in my own life, the church for so long has isolated ourselves, not just in the four walls of our building, but in the four walls of our houses. We've prayed for revival, we've raised godly children, we've done the things that we know what we need to do, but we have not walked in unity with other believers. Now some of you may say, well if we get together with people that don't believe the same thing we do, yes, I'm not saying that you have to go, go hang out with people that don't believe the way you do. And, and, if, and you know, if someone says something derogatory about another leader, then you just get up and leave. This is mature stuff. This is, not, this is not elementary Bible stuff. This is like maturity. Maturity is if someone's speaking against another leader, you get up and you leave. It doesn't matter where you're at. You could be the only two at the table and you get up and walk away and say, no, this isn't about that. If they begin to talk about things that are not of the word, then you just leave. You don't sit there and listen to all of it and then come back to the pastor and say how somebody was derogatory toward the pastor. At least you better not come and tell me that because I'll be pretty harsh. It says, do not give ear to any accusation. So you start hearing it coming, you tell them to shut up, don't say another word, I'm leaving. And whenever you get your heart right with the Lord, I'll come back and talk to you. But until then, be a mature believer and get up and leave. It says that they devoted themselves to what the apostles were doing and they broke bread together. I want to ask this question, it's not a, it's not a guilt and shame creator. Don't pick that up. But if I asked you the names of the four neighbors around your house, your clo four closest neighbors, if I asked you their names, could you tell me who they were? Don't answer. Number two, if I asked you the, and you actually knew their names, which would be a, probably about 10% of the room, and you actually knew their names, my next question would be, when was the last time you broke bread together with them? But they're, they're, they're unbelievers. Well, how are they gonna know who Jesus is unless they find him in you? You're sure not gonna see him on TV. You're not gonna hear about him on the news. They're gonna have to read you. And the only way to do that is to be with them. Half-hearted, semi-devoted people rarely accomplish anything in life. And the apathy that has been the stream of the church for decades has to stop. Part of the character of God is this, that we would live in supernatural community. Now I know, I know that I'm out there this morning. I know that I'm challenging religious spirits in the region. I get it. But I'm telling you, if we don't get this, 
Revival will pass over this region and it will locate somewhere else. If you look at revival through the ages, there was a specific amount of time and that's when the people finally got tired and let it go. I believe God wants a people of this region that are gonna hold on to revival and never let it go like Amy Semple McPherson. 30 years of revival at Angelus Temple. I believe that's the heart of God for this region, that there would be churches coming together, leaders coming together, we worship together, we eat together, we hang out together, and we become supernatural communities so that God is there in the midst all the time. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday. He's here all the time. He's honored in everything we do. He's honored in our friendships. So what does supernatural community look like? I'm gonna give you five points, six points this morning. Number one, the people are full of devotion to Christ and his cause. Devotion, devoted, committed to Christ, number one. So many things are out of order in our world that spouse goes above God and kids go above God and grandkids go above God and work goes above God and all these things are put in God's place. And then we cry out for revival and he says, just put it in order. Revival will come. Get in order and I'll be in your midst and I'll be with you. So full devotion to Christ and his cause. There's a simplicity in making God number one. Because we toil and toil and toil about all the other things. But when he's number one, he gives us the answers that we need to navigate life. He gives us the path. Part of the character of a God-honoring kingdom community is full devotion and passion toward the things that matter the most. What is that? That is relationships with one another. It's not about a building fund. It's not about new carpet. It's not about any of that. It's about relationships. And we can go our whole lives focused on the wrong things and then we ask God, please, God, please, God, please. Come into alignment. It says in Acts 2.1, they were in one accord and in one place. Now you're saying, Pastor, does that mean that we all have to, all the churches in Tuscarawas County, the 197 of them, need to get together in one place? By golly, yes. Let's do it. There ain't a building big enough. We could, we could overtake the mall. It ain't big enough. I guess we gotta go outside like they did and be one. Is that what we're supposed to do? I believe that God will send an anointing when the churches come together and be one. The summit aims to be a place that reflects this full devotion to Christ, to each other, and to the cause of Christ. That's our, that's our goal. That's our mission. We can put flowery words on it, but we have to be fully devoted to what Jesus is saying, what he told us to do, how he told us to relate to one another. We have to be all in. Number two, these people, this supernatural community, not only is in full devotion to Christ and his cause, but they are in anticipation of God's supernatural work every minute of every day. We can't be a supernatural, God-life-giving, God-giving community unless we are seeing and expecting the supernatural every day. Every day. 
It says in Acts 2.43, the fear, then fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. They were expecting miracles. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. If you don't have expectation, you may walk into one, but if you have expectation, you'll cultivate one. So they were expecting things to happen. They were a little fearful when they came because things started happening that they didn't even know about. And these signs will follow those who believe. Not just in Acts 2, not just in Acts 8, not just in Acts 12. No, these signs will follow because Acts never stopped. We're still writing chapters. We understand that. It says the Acts of the Apostles. We're still writing chapters of Acts. Like in history, like it didn't stop. And so if it didn't stop, and then Mark says, this is, Jesus said in Mark that this is what you will see in my people, then no wonder the world is going crazy. No wonder the world is completely looking down on God and saying he doesn't matter to me. Why? Because he, they aren't seeing him in us. They aren't seeing the supernatural every day. We're not supernatural, God-giving, life-giving community. We have to anticipate God's supernatural work every day. God is ready to work in a new dimension in a unified body of believers in a region and in regions all around the world if we're going to humble ourselves and say we want to be a part of it. Not just three, not just 15, but 197. If we're willing. If we're willing. We must be a part of the Acts church. We must go back and read Acts and say, Lord, what do you want to write in the next chapter of our lives? What do you want to write in the, the message of the summit in 2021? How does that fit into Acts 57? What does that mean? What do you want us to walk in? Well, he tells us what he wants us to walk in, but how do you want us to walk in that? In unity. Acts 8. We just got to jump over there for a second. The demonstration of this stuff is, is so good. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go and overtake this chariot. Now we can, you can read the rest of it, great story. But Philip was so in tune with what was happening that he was able to encounter someone who was there to worship God but had no knowledge of who God is. I'm telling you that the first awakening, the first revival that's coming to the church of Tuscarawas County are the people that have walked around their whole lives saying, I know God, but have never met him. They've come to church for years, decades even, and they've, they've said, I say my prayers, I read my Bible, I go to church. But they've never met him. They can talk about him, Man, they can argue. They can argue the word. They can tell you that you're wrong. But they've never met Jesus. Because when you meet him, you're forever changed. When you're a drug addict and you meet Jesus, 
you're changed. When you're an alcoholic and you meet Jesus, you're changed. Does it mean that all that goes away? No. It just means you've met Jesus and you know his love and you know his transformative power and you know that if you walk away, he's there and you know that if you're tight, he's there and you know that there's no condemnation for those who are believers, right? Those who love God according to his purpose, there is therefore. Now, he took all that on the cross and that's the encounter that we need to have with Jesus to lay it all down and say, hey, listen, I want you to be Lord of my life because there's no way I can pay that bill right? There's no way we could pay the bill that we actually accrued for ourselves in life. So he took it. In fact, I, I <laughs> a story about Bishop Reed. Um, I've gone to Buffalo, I don't know, 30 times, whatever. And every time I go to eat with him, I can never get the bill. Ever. I mean, I have gone to the waitress when I walked in, sat down at the table, asked the hostess, where's our waitress? Walked to the waitress and said, I want the bill for that table before we leave. And I have never been able to get the bill, <laughs> ever. Why? He's demonstrating the goodness of the Father, the Father's heart. There's many people that do that. I'm just focusing on him. That happened yesterday at our meal. Somebody just came over and grabbed our check and said, we said, no, we're all on separate bills, you know, and then no, it got taken care of. I never trust anybody that goes to the bathroom in the middle of a meal. They're talking to the waitress, they're getting the bill. <laughs> That's the heart of the Father. So number one, we have to be in full devotion to Christ and his cause, nothing else in the way. We have to expect supernatural things like Philip, that we'll be called to places where people for the first time in their life are sitting at the doctor's office and they've had this Bible sitting on their shelf for 17 years and it's covered in dirt and they get a diagnosis that they don't know what to do with and they say, I have to go to this test and I'm gonna be sitting in a waiting room and I have to, I have to open this book. And they sit down and you go in because you're, you're going in for a test or you're going in to speak to somebody or pray for somebody and you sit down beside them and you think, oh my word, they're just an awesome believer. They're just reading their Bible out in public. No, they have no clue who God is. They just picked up this book that somebody gave them and they're like, something in here is gonna help me today. And you sit down beside them and because sometimes we sit down with expectations that people are further than what they are. Come on, somebody. Like we expect people to be further than what they are and, uh, and some, some religious people expect people to be less than what they are. We aren't gonna go there because um, God needs to deliver you of that if you look at everybody as below you. But um, we sit down and we, we talk to them. We find out really that they don't even know what those titles mean. Like it's just a bunch of pages and we sit down with them and talk with them and they say that they've got this diagnosis and we can introduce them to the healer. And we can introduce them to the person that loves them because they're there by themselves. And nobody in their family would come sit with them on one of the biggest days of their life. This is what being one is. This is what living in unity is. It's not about looking at the back of somebody's head or greeting somebody with a holy kiss on Sunday. No, it's about doing life together. Number three, a strong commitment to one another. Acts 2.44 says all believers were together and had everything in common. Evidence of a God-honoring kingdom community is that it displays loyalty, dependability, mutual support, respect, and grace to one another. Now, if you want this God-honoring community, which I do all over the region and here at the summit, it's gotta start in your house. 
So these are the characteristics of a God-honoring kingdom family. Displays loyalty, dependability, mutual support, respect, and grace for one another. We want God to come and visit our region. We gotta have him come visit our home. Now, this isn't just unified or filled with a strong sense of goodness. This is all about the priority of unity in your family, the priority of unity here in this family, the priority of unity in God's family in this region, the priority of unity in the church globally. It is all about putting that as a, as a stake in the ground for this God-honoring place. It means letting, low, letting go of differences and our self-centered preferences. We all like worship. We all love how we do it. Right? That's why we do it this way. That's what we like. But we're going to come into places, and I'm, I'm declaring this over you, we're going to come into places that are very uncomfortable. Not because they're bad. Not because of the devil's there. No, because it's different. And God is calling us to be one with those people. One with our brothers and sisters, no matter what it sounds like or what it feels like. Because we're not there just to be one with the, one another. We're there to be one with him. How does this commitment to one another actually happen? It results from a core culture of belief that what we are to one another is as important as what we are doing together. See, I don't think we have that yet. I think we're working on it. But I don't think we have that yet. I think that being together and, and being one together is more important than accomplishing the tasks that we have on the table. We had a great display of cleaning last Sunday after church and the people watching online won't know what I'm talking about, but we laughed. And it was fun and they talked about people volunteering to clean the church. As important as that is, and go sign up afterwards because we need a lot more people to help. But as important as that is, being one with one another is more important than any task. But if you're one with one another, you'll feel the heart of that person and realize that this is where you need to be to sweep the, sweep the facility. It's all born out of relationship. And this is strong, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. What you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a novice. Jesus said, come to me as little children. Why? Because they're inquisitive. They want to know. They don't have everything figured out. And I believe that the way that we receive an anointing, an awakening, a revival in this region is to go back to him as little kids and say, Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? We don't have it all figured out. What do you want to do? How do you want to bring everybody to the table? What you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a non novice. Number four, they had generosity and meeting needs. Acts 2.45, they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. A God-honoring community is a community of people that are not blind to the needs of others and they respond by seeking to assist, encourage, and generously meet the needs of others. 
generosity and meeting needs. In this community that I'm describing, that we're building, sincere care and concern takes place. Sincere care and concern takes place. This is how a Christ-filled community works. And I say work because it's work. Ministry is work. As I sat with pastors all week, I could see on their faces, it's work. Now, it's relationship and that refuels. But ministry is work. And it's not our work. It's our work. You see, the enemy wants to put the pastor at the front. And yeah, spiritually, authority-wise, I sign the form. I get it. I get it. I have to answer if something happens to this building or any other building that we own. I get it. I have responsibility on me. But the scriptures say that sheep beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. Pastor doesn't beget sheep. I should be begetting other pastors. I should be raising up leaders. And so I've heard over, over the years that I've been in this house, man, I know God wants to send 300 people. He wants to do it. And then I remember Pastor Dennis standing up here and he said, God, God told us specifically in prayer, God wants us to be 300 people. And, uh, and nothing changed. Hear my heart in this. I'm not coming at you hard. I'm just saying what I believe the Lord wants to say. And nothing changes. Because society has made it about the person who's on this platform building the church. And you can go back and you can tell me it says that Christ said he'll build the church. Totally get it, believe it, but he does it through you. So if you see empty chairs to the left and to the right, it's not because I'm failing. It's because we're missing the call of scripture that says we as sheep will beget sheep. Why? How? Because we go out and we or because we sit here and we worship and we pray for them to come in, yes, we need to do that. No, it's because we're going into the grocery store or the doctor's office and we're sitting down and we're saying, I've got so much of this in me that I have to get it out. It's gonna come out all over you and I know it'll be messy, but all this stuff that the Lord is giving me is just gonna come out of me and it will transfer to you whether you know it or not. And then by the way, if you want a family to connect to, you can come with me on Sunday. And I hope you hear my heart, it's not about the numbers at all. If we don't remain childlike, we create barriers around our expertise to protect it. If we don't remain childlike, we will build barriers around our expertise to protect it, which limits our growth. We have to be in unity, one with another. Number five, they had laughter and fellowship, Acts 2.46. So continuing daily in one accord and in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That's how I eat my food. Glad. Glad. But why were they glad? It wasn't because it was the best steak ever. No. They were glad because they could sit there and they could talk about the kingdom of God coming and manifesting in their presence. 
They were glad because they could sit down with one another and no one had need because we were together. We were in one accord. They, they were glad because they knew that they were upon a mission and a destiny to complete. And they could talk about it and they could de-stress about it. So many pastors, I don't know what the number is, 1,500 resign every Monday. I don't know what the number is now, but it used to be that high. 1,000 pastors every Monday resign. Why? Because they can't be in unity with other leaders to walk out the calling God has for them. If a pastor resigns in this county because of that, we have missed it. And I'm speaking to all the leaders in the room, pastors in the room. If another pastor resigns because they don't have family or unity, it's because we failed them. Not because they missed it or because they avoided us. It's because we failed to hunt them down and be with them. It should not happen on our watch. People in a healthy community enjoy downtime together. I'm just, the, the last two, I'm just gonna go. I'm not going quickly because there's a time schedule because I don't mind, but I'm going quickly because they're gonna be knives to your heart and you can recover later. <laughs> People in a healthy community enjoy downtime together. They work hard together, but they spend time together in fellowship and relaxation together. This is kingdom community. It's not church, it's kingdom community. They eat together, they laugh together, they pursue common interests together, they golf together, they do all that stuff. This reaps a benefit of greater unity and commitment to one another. Number six, they have a sense of shared destiny from God. Verse 47 says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Along with the awe of seeing God answer their prayers. We know that, they, we know that he answered prayers because they were seeing healings, manifestations of the kingdom, they were seeing all that. But what above and beyond that makes it a shared destiny with God? is that they saw evidence that God was answering prayers that they hadn't even prayed yet. They began to see answered prayers that they hadn't even prayed yet because they were in unity with one another and they had shared destiny. So as Pastor Ezra is praying over us, we will see answered prayers that we haven't even prayed yet. As we pray over Pastor Ezra's church, they will see miracles, signs and wonders that they hadn't even prayed for. Why? Because we're one. Because we're one. May forever the silos of ministry and denominational worship be broken down today in this region. Forever. They will never be rebuilt. Acts 4, there's a prayer. And if you would stand with me and... Uh, as I read this. There are many gifts in the body. We know the five-fold ministry. This is the prayer that I'm praying over this house. And I want to read it to you this morning. It's a direct prayer that the apostles prayed. 
for what they felt that they should see in their people. We know that in Acts 4, the world was coming against the church with everything that it had. Threats, aggressive action, beatings, all the things, not, not letting them speak the name of Jesus. Can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And then the, they prayed this prayer. And being let go, they went into their own companions and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, whom by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth look, took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. Now, now Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. This is what I'm praying over this house. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they would speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs, wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together in one accord, unity, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We're not in a time when apathy can rage anymore. We have to be in one mind and one accord in unity, speaking boldly the gospel of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, today, Father, today we give you all that we are and we receive all that you are. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to unity. You've called us to be a family. You don't say in your word to talk about it. You don't say to prophesy about it. You say, be it. And Lord, we've missed the mark. Lord, I am asking today that over this house, over these families, that you would demonstrate to us that you would draw us into knowing what supernatural community looks like. What it means to labor one with another. What it means to grow together in relationship. And Lord, what it means to be one. Grant us this day, this region, that we may see counties and counties and counties sparked with the kingdom revelation of relationship and unity in the body of Christ and in the bond of peace. That we may see you move like you've never moved in this place before because we have open hearts, open minds. And Lord, that we may know you. May this revival, may this awakening come first in our hearts first in our homes, first in our bodies, 
And Lord, may it be an awakening wave that shakes nations. Purify us this morning. Cleanse us from hurts and pains of the past and release us into the destiny that you have for us. We worship you. We thank you. We surrender to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.